Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. And that's remarkable. Alex, it's our final episode of the decade, which probably should mean something, but in our case doesn't really because we haven't been doing this for that long all things considered two years not that many years out of a 10-year decade (laughs) no but in baseball years i don't know that feels like it feels like an eternity right you know it's like dog years but for baseball each each year has aged aged me a decade on its own so that's fair two years of doing a podcast that makes no money is like dog years pales in comparison (laughs) It's like twice as long as dog years. Yeah, literally. But to celebrate the end of the year, you and I, as we have done the last two years of doing this podcast, um, we're going to do a little year in review. So we're going to look back on um, the things that stuck out most to us from the last year and uh, from our show and those conversations and how our thoughts about them have changed. And um, we're going to share some of our favorite segments with you guys. So Hopefully you have either heard these segments before or you will be compelled to go back and listen to them in the episodes that they were in or share them with a friend. Yeah, this is where we just kind of tutor on horn for like an hour. Just just our little victory lap on the year being like, yeah, these segments were good. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, is there anything that you want to say before we get started on this endeavor, before we turn the clocks back to January 1st, 2019? So the only thing I, I want to say, and I only bring this up because it's not included in our clips because there's just too much there. But in the middle of the year, you and I sat down to try and predict the second half headlines, the things that would kind of come about in the second half that would really carry the the narrative. And most of them were wrong, as predictions like that usually are. Christian Yelich didn't go 50-30. Diamondbacks? It didn't make the playoffs. Wait, Yelich would might have done it if he didn't get hurt. That was a good right. prediction. Don't yeah, shame. it was it was on on its way there. However, the only one I wanted to bring up, my last prediction was you're gonna toot your own horn on a prediction. Kind of, but I love it. <laughs> I said I think home runs are gonna dip in the second half. They did. I followed that up with. And it's going to make Rob Manfred look really, really good. And all of us just like <laughs> stupid assholes. <laughs> and it didn't because it just made Rob Manfred look even worse. My God. Well, it made him look confused. <laughs> so it made him look like he had no idea what was going on, which for the person who's in charge of the entire league, including the baseballs, that's, that's a, not a great look. Well, also because like his whole defense this whole time was that he didn't know why the baseballs were jumping more than usual. So if they dip down, he can't take credit for it then because he wasn't taking credit for it when they were dipping up or right. jumping up, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, okay. We, we will be discussing dunking on Rob Manfred for not knowing what's going on with the baseballs in just a little while. But before we get to that, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basley. And this is the Tipping Pitches 2019 Year in Review. 
if you can get in the mindset of early 2019 for me, real quick, Alex, no stars had signed. Baseball free agency was dead. We weren't sure if Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were even going to be on teams. And we were really just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. This year, this offseason has been the exact opposite of last year, where all the stars signed in the first week. And now we don't know what to talk about. Last year, it was like, all the stars didn't sign until the last week, and we had to make up stuff to talk about, but still kind of prepare for if they were going to sign. <laughs> Do you remember when we spent multiple episodes talking about Bryce Harper's barber? Yes. And his haircut? Mm-hmm. That was, that was content. Dark, I mean, it still is. Dark times. <laughs> the content mill, it keeps it churning. Um, but that brings us to our first clip from February 24th. It was the episode that I believe we broke down Manny Machado to the San Diego Padres. But much more importantly from that episode, and honestly much more memorable, was a profile of Trevor Bauer in Yahoo Sports and uh, a couple tidbits about his dating life from one Trevor Bauer himself. This is uh, The Manny, The Myth, The Legend. It's episode 69, and it was on February 24th. This profile starts off in fitting fashion with an anecdote about Trevor Bauer electrocuting his brain because that's uh, normal Trevor Bauer things. It has to I'm, be to own the libs. There has yeah. there can be no other reason. <laughs> um, quote, anything to expedite the learning curve. Okay, Trevor. Okay. Um, this profile, it's I don't like really... It's extremely 1950. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, I want to get better at baseball, so I'm going to do some bloodletting. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> like, he's like, I read about this once, and I did some independent thinking about it, and I kind of think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I don't really want to read this whole thing because it's long, and, you know, it's about Trevor Bauer. But there were a couple notable things to come out of this. Uh and the thing that people that the most people were talking about on Twitter was uh, Trevor Bauer's rules for dating. Did you did <laughs> yeah. you did you see this, Bobby? I did see this. I I didn't read this piece, so whatever else you come to me in this profile is news to me. But I could not, unfortunately, avoid this bit of the piece because yeah. it was just being circulated everywhere, and Twitter is a fucking cursed website. Yep. Here we go. I'm gonna read them off for you. All right. Trevor Bauer's rules when he goes on a first date. One, Which happens so frequently because he's everybody loves a, a, a middle school looking Trump supporter. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy who's like, oh yeah, I have a girlfriend. She just she goes to a different school. So like yeah. you can't you can't ever meet her um because she goes to another school in uh, another state. But like she's real, dude. Trust me. He's like extremely cuts his own hair, hasn't started shaving yet. Yeah. <laughs> One, no feelings. As soon as I sense you're developing feelings, I'm going to cut it off because I'm not interested in a relationship and I'm emotionally unavailable. Two. Listens to Drake once. (laughs) (laughs) Two. No social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. Three. I I have no feelings either way about that one. Three. I sleep with other people. I'm going to continue to sleep with other people. If you're not okay with that, we won't sleep together, and that's perfectly fine. We can just be perfectly po- po- polite, platonic friends. Wow. <sighs> okay, I have some thoughts about the last one. Yeah, as I, as th- you might imagine, I have. I bet, I bet you do. 
My thoughts about the last one are he's like, uh, I'm going to call this preemptively friend zoning people because he knows that he his best case scenario is to get friend zoned and his worst case scenario is to get blocked on Twitter because he's a harasser. Yeah. So he's like preemptively friend zoning the people who don't want him to sleep with other people, which is like everyone, because everyone would kind of just prefer if imagining a life where he sleeps with no one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the safest possible outcome for all people on earth. I feel like this is just his form of overcompensation, you know, where he's like, he he learned that he was going to have to do uh, an interview. And so his, he had to like come up with ways to make himself seem like really cool. And so he was like, what's really cool in 2019? (laughs) Having lots of sex. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him that I have a ton of sex and that's, and people are going to think I'm, I'm the fucking coolest baseball player ever. I'm like the only guy who like has sex with people. It's going to be so cool, man. And all my friends are going to talk about it. He's like trying to do the MAGA Derek Jeter thing. Like <laughs> Seriously, he's like an online Reddit user who's like never talked with a woman before. And so he's like. One, um, my rules for dating are that I am going to have sex with other women. And you're going to be okay with that. Otherwise, we're just going to be friends. Also, wait. I think we glossed over the no feelings part too fast. <laughs> and also, to wrap up the sex point, that this guy, this guy has sex. I feel like he saw a lot of people in his mentions ironically saying, this guy fucks. And being like, I actually do fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm being rightly celebrated. <laughs> That's exactly what Trevor Bauer talks like. But uh, yeah, I think that your impression of him is pretty perfect. I think you um, should do the rest of the pod in that voice. Yeah, in the, in the Trevor Bauer voice. Why does he? I don't under. Yeah, I don't understand why he gets uh, profiles like this on the national platform. Like, you're, don't you though? Yeah. Didn't you see that Esquire profile? Of the average male in Trump's <laughs> America, yeah, an American. Sorry, wait, an American boy. Yeah, in the age of, in the era of, sc- what is it? School shootings, yeah, online toxic, bullying, toxic masculinity. Like, blah, blah, yeah. blah. oh, speaking of online bullying, Trevor Bauer has some <laughs> thoughts about that. Um, oh yes, let's in, hear them. Because you, we have referenced that Trevor Bauer is a harasser, which is true. Because there was a. Uh, a, a young woman of his who was basically talking talking to him on Twitter and essentially calling him on his bullshit and being like Trevor Bauer, like don't talk to me, you fucking suck, whatever. All true. And Trevor Bauer was like quote tweeting her and just mm-hmm. like replying and replying. Like long after she had like exited the conversation, he would just like not le- let up. And so people rightfully like dunked on him for this and called out the Indians for including doing us. That. Yeah, including we us on him for this. Yeah, of course. Um, and so this was brought up in the conversation. And so at first, Trevor Bauer is like, um, it's just because trolling's like a mental chess match for me, which, <laughs> oh my God, I seriously, <laughs> I'm, all right, I'm just going to keep moving. I can't even say anything back to that. <laughs> but then, it's like, he's like, he can't get enough satisfaction out of the competition of pitching. So he like plays with drones, accidentally almost slices his finger off. Trolls people as a mental chess match. He's like the modern day MAGA Renaissance man, but he's just like nobody gives a shit about any of the stuff he's doing. Yeah, nobody exactly. cares about your fucking drone, dude. Yeah. Nobody cares. Except for national sports writers, apparently. 
Trevor Bowers having a lot of sex in Cincinnati. I mean, if he's going to do it anywhere, Cincinnati seems like his type of town. Cincinnati's the place. He got some tips from Matt Harvey and was like, all right, I know this city now. (laughs) Trevor Bowers, most eligible bachelor of MLB. There's a reality TV show idea. Trevor Bowers, The Bachelor. Ooh, that's an old bit. That's a call back. Real, real tipping pitches heads. No. Yeah. All right, next up, this is from episode 75, Unwritten Rules Are Made to Be Broken on May 1st. Bryce Harper went on Jimmy Fallon to play a little MLB The Show. The Show, right? Yeah. And uh, and we free learned ad, that... I'm cutting that out. No, I'm bleeping that. No free ads. <laughs> no free ads. We don't say product names. <laughs> no, for Jimmy Fallon either. Bleep his name out too. We don't say uh, baseball team names because no free ads. <laughs> you have to... I'm bleeping the Reds thing, too. <laughs> um, we, we learned in this brief segment that Jimmy Fallon might not know what baseball is. He doesn't really know what America's just, pastime is. He doesn't know what it is. Starred in classic movie Fever Pitch, but still has no fucking clue what's going on on the field. That's literally, it's funny that you're introducing it like this, because I know you have not listened back to this segment yet, and you introduced it exactly in the same way in the segment. 100%. So here we go. <laughs> So the first thing on my list that I was thinking about this week is that uh, is that Bryce Harper went on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and uh, and there was a there was a segment that the two of them did, Jimmy Fallon and Bryce Harper, where they played each other in uh, in MLB The Show. They played a, a home run derby in MLB The Show, and so Harper obviously plays as himself as you do and jimmy fallon that's corny uh, yeah it's super corny jimmy fallon plays as aaron judge and it's like a it's a pretty innocuous like entertaining clip in itself but i mostly just came away with the impression that jimmy fallon has never watched a baseball game (laughs) and like I know that he probably has. There's like a 60% chance he has. He was in acclaimed sports drama, Fever Pitch. So uh, yes. so, so I know that he's at least been around a baseball game before. Hold on. Before you continue, if you're trying to be sarcastic with the acclaimed drama take, that's a great movie, and I will not stand for it. I've, I've, I've never seen it, I, I have to admit. Um, okay, that's fine. It's not like it's a classic. I can't get mad at you for having not seen it. <laughs> you should watch it. All right. I, I we will should watch, watch it. it and I'll, okay. I will, we'll give a review on the next podcast. Live watch for the podcast of a movie from 2007. <laughs> um, but he, Jimmy Fallon just makes these like these weird comments throughout that kind of indicate he's not really sure what's going on. Like Bryce Harper hits back-to-back home runs and Jimmy Fallon says something like, Now, what do you call that when you keep hitting him? You're twerping him out there? Like, what's a baseball term? Uh, That's a no-doubter. Look at that. Like, what? What? Yes, are you twerping home runs? Is this a phrase (laughs) that you just made up? (laughs) And then he, but then, then he, like, comes up to bat. Jimmy Fallon comes up to bat, and he hits a home run, and he makes this, like, this weird like cheer where he's like encouraging the fans to like stand up with their gloves and catch the ball. Ooh, 
man. Whoa! Put your hands and get your gloves out. It's another dinger. Throw on the old apple. So, so what you're telling me is that Jimmy Fallon is an alien. Jimmy Fallon might be an alien. Like, I know that he has had baseball players on his show before, and I'm sure that they shot scenes of that movie at Fenway Park. But, they did. Uh, but. But yes, I I leave that my conspiracy theory coming out of this podcast is that Jimmy Fallon has never actually watched a baseball game before. Maybe the aliens came and replaced the real Jimmy Fallon. And this is reptilian Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you know, he is a pretty reptilian guy. So (laughs) kind of is. (laughs) All right, let's move on. I think that reptilian bit at the end, Alex, was a callback to earlier in the podcast. I kind of hope so. Otherwise, because it just isolated in that clip, it sounds a little Alex Jonesy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we do talk about aliens at another point in this podcast. Pretty frequently. So. Look at that transition. Wow. Look yeah. at you. You're a fucking professional. Oh, is um, that next? Next up. Oh, technically, oh it's not next, but it's from the same episode. Next up, A-Rod helps us find our passion in life. If you don't know, and you're listening to this podcast, I'm very disappointed, but if you don't know, Alex Rodriguez has one of the most important YouTube channels on YouTube.com. It's where he just holds a selfie stick up to his entire life and gives motivational speeches to his followers. And the people underneath, they really appreciate it. The commenters, they're like, thank you, Alex. This changed my life. Thank you, Alex. I love getting this window into you and JLo's relationship. Thank you, Alex. You're so authentic. It's wild, dude. How much do you think he paid those people? I'm going to isolate those clips right there and just (laughs) use it as like my alarm in the morning. Thank you, Alex. You're so authentic. You changed my life. Didn't even put two and two together. (laughs) Also, a lot of money is how much he paid. A lot of money. Um, This episode was from uh, June 18th. Uh, It's episode 79. Uh, Alex and I annotated live annotated an Alex Rodriguez YouTube video. And then after that, the alien reference from earlier, um, this is from the same episode. It's uh, Pete Alonzo was asked on SportsCenter whether he's ever seen anything weird while playing for the Las Vegas 51s. And let's just say he uh, he didn't deny it. So here's episode 79. Here we go. It's called, in all caps, Find Your Passion in Life, an Alex Rodriguez original. So I'm going to talk to the general folks out there because I think um, the masses is, is where it's at. I already have something to say. <laughs> God. <laughs> he starts off by saying, I'm going to talk to the general folks out there because I think the masses is where it's at. That's, God. I mean, I'm going to start say every that tweet I that I send with that. <laughs> I I couldn't have put it better myself. The masses are where it's at. This one's for the general folks, which is why we can listen to it and put it on tipping pitches. This is not for the specific folks, I guess, would be the opposite of that. I don't know. Let's continue. (laughs) You know, I hear so often from people, people that I love, people that are close to me. Well, I can't do it. I don't have the money. So I'm going to (laughs) quit. I'm going to go have a beer. Wrong. So if you don't have any (laughs) capital... Um, The good news is there's many ways for you to bring value to a partnership. What is it that you're good at? What is your superpower? Are you good in sales? Are you good in numbers? Are you a good writer, good communicator? Which one are you? (laughs) 
I think you uh, have to find out what you're good at, Alex. What is your superpower? Are you good in well, sales, thing numbers, is that, writer, or communicator? <laughs> those are the only four options. <laughs> and a writer and a communicator, they're really different things. No one, not many people talk about this, but they're completely separate. That I'm, I'm actually, I know you're making fun of him, but I'm serious about that. I'm not a writer anymore. I'm a communicator. I host a podcast. <laughs> think about what, think about what your superpower is. By the end of this video, I want you to have your superpower. Listeners, you really, we're going to put the link in the description for this because you really have to go watch the video because that's half of it. This whole thing is overlaid with video. He's talking, he's in the car the whole thing, time this is happening. He's just talking to a camera in the car and it's spliced into it is like footage of him crossing the street, him walking around a baseball field, just shots of a red light on Madison Avenue. And then it's just words on the screen. Don't let the red light stop you on Madison (laughs) Avenue. (laughs) All the, every time he says something that's supposed to be motivational, the words pop up. Communicator, writer, numbers, sales, find your passion in life. Like, oh my God. I think that's the problem with tipping pitches. That's why it hasn't taken off yet. We don't have numbers or sales. Yeah, we don't have numbers or sales. How do we fix that? All right, we'll think about that one. Let's continue. Whatever it is, you can bring value and you can take that value and convert it into equity. You have to be relentless. You have to be resilient. You have to have grit. Always ask to get in the room, beg to be in the room. Let people know how you feel. Okay, when I was watching this the first time, I thought, I want to do a thing where I make a ding and we have a little counter for every time that A-Rod says just a general colloquial idiom that has Mm -hmm. no meaning in the context of this video where he's talking about finding your passion in life. Right here, he says a few. And one of them is, you have to get in the room. I want to know what room. What room are we talking? Who is this targeted for and what room do I need to get in? Especially contradictory is the fact that while he's talking about this, he's not he's not in a room. In fact, he's walking in his yard that uh that appears to have tires in it, just as like artistic piece. You see this? You see this right here? <laughs> I do see that. Uh Arod, what level are you on? Okay, let's move on. It's not begging, you're just asking, and you're knocking, and you're not going to go away. You're like that Everlast punching bag. You punch him, and it just keeps coming back up. <laughs> That's who you should be. That's who I've been my whole life. You know, I love when people call me dumb because I'm an athlete. And I say, you know what? I'm going to show you. Because if you're going to be dumb enough to uh, overlook me or think that I'm not as smart as you because you have a fancy degree and, and I'm a baseball player, well... Rule number one, never underestimate your opponent. You know, I always re- I respect every single one of you out there. I feel all of you out there can be great business people and have a great life. And if you can just get out of your own way and think outside the box, you can crush it. You can crush it. <laughs> you see what I mean about where he's just saying a bunch of phrases that absolutely oh, mean nothing? He said, yeah. in, this, in this little stretch that we just played, he said, I'm like the Everlast punching bag. You hit me and I keep coming back. And then he said, I, rule number one, never underestimate your opponent. I love this so much, Alex. I love it so much. I'm just, I'm gaining so much from it. And uh, maybe my favorite part about it is that we haven't even gotten to the passion part yet, right? Like, we don't, know, we don't even know what passion is. A-Rod has yet to address it, right? We're all about, we're all about equity and value right now, deriving that value. Um, but, uh, but when he touches on passion, I'm ready for my man to just go off. All 
right, that was A-Rod on finding your passion, gaining equity, becoming a fucking leader like he is. Uh, I hope that A-Rod continues to give us as much peak content in 2020 and beyond. Uh, here's Pete Alonzo. Just doing Pete Alonzo things, you know? Just being Pete, being Polar Bear. Uh, this was from Year 3 Up, 3 Down. A lot, you'll notice a lot of these segments are from Year 3 Up, 3 Down choices, Alex. Great work by you this year. You get the, the 3 Up, 3 Down award. Appreciate it. Last thing on my list. And as if we haven't talked about Pete Alonzo enough. Uh, oh, my Pete, God. Pete Alonzo was... Ever heard of him? <laughs> <laughs> he was interviewed by Kenny Mayne on SportsCenter this past week uh, following a Mets-Yankees game. And Kenny Mayne asked him, because Pete Alonso played for the, uh, famously played for the Las Vegas 51s, former AAA affiliate of the Mets. And so Mayne asked Alonso, hey, do you ever see anything weird down there? You know, just kind of like, just kind of ribbing him a little bit, you know? Do you ever see anything weird yep. while playing for the Las Vegas 51s? And Pete Alonso was... Kind of weird about it. Can you can you just play the <laughs> listeners this clip real quick? Uh, we can all agree that aliens are real. You played for the Las Vegas 51s. <laughs> They're now known as the Aviators. Did you ever see anything weird out there in Las Vegas? Um, just, I mean, it's kind of like, you just get kind of get used to it, you know? I mean, you see weird stuff all the time driving in. Uh, so I lived outside uh, outside the city in the suburbs, but driving into uh, the to Fremont Street, or that's kind of where the, uh, the the old ballpark was. And driving driving down there, you see something weird every day, and eventually, it just kind of uh, you just kind of put the blockers on, and it, you kind of get used to it after a while. So confirming, you have seen aliens, yep. and you will be in the home run derby. We got those. Out. So that was absolutely not a no that he's never no. seen aliens. Like that was a, I would argue that's a yes. <laughs> that's like he's like. <laughs> He gets asked if he's ever seen aliens, and his response is, yeah, I mean, we all see weird things out there. <laughs> it kind of, it, it honestly, the way that he, like, all of a sudden pivots and starts talking about, like, driving down Fremont Street or whatever, it's almost like there was, like, the dude behind the camera in the suit who all of a sudden, like, just, like, gives him a look and is like, stop it. Stop it, Pete. Don't go any further with this. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, it's the suburbs, and you're just driving in a car. And uh, you put, uh, you know, it's a fr- it's Fremont Street. Obviously, I drive to the ballpark all the time. Like, what are you talking about? It's, uh, you know, and I'm like in word association. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, confirmed, Pete Alonzo has seen aliens. I mean, what actually probably happened here was that Pete was like, he just thought that Kenny Maine was talking about like people from Las Vegas are weird. Like, and Kenny Maine was talking about them as aliens. And Pete doesn't really have a concept of what Area 51 is because Pete is from Florida and nobody can ever see outside of Florida when you grow up in Florida. However, let's just use this to confirm that, yes, Area 51, aliens are real. Pete Alonso used to pass by them every day while driving into the ballpark while playing for the Las Vegas 51s. And he just let the cat out of the bag. I, I really would like someone to follow up with Pete Alonso. You know, now that he's had kind of a little time to think it over and maybe the CIA is off his back a little bit, maybe he's ready to kind of come out and do some whistleblowing on uh, on Area 51 and the aliens that are there. What do you think? It was so out of character for him. He's like usually very composed in interviews. Like he usually 
I don't know. He like gives the company line pretty frequently. Yeah. So in this instance, he for him, he to wasn't just ready be, for this. He, he was like, you can't hold me back anymore. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up is surprise conversation about Rob Manfred and the juice ball. This comes post home run derby. Justin Verlander makes some comments about how the balls are definitely juiced and uh, and MLB knows how to do it. They've done this historically. And so there's no reason why the league wouldn't know about it. And uh, Rob Manfred basically comes out guns blazing and says, no, you're wrong. Cut it out. But, um, but still kind of doesn't really... Confirm or deny? <laughs> <laughs> still, still makes it clear that he doesn't really know what is going on with the baseball, as you know, as you would expect from a commissioner. So this is from the balls they are changing, uh, episode eighty-one on July eleventh. I want to talk to you briefly about this juice ball idea because it seems as though it's coming to a head. The rest of Verlander's quote was, he, he the follow-up question asked, asked him if he believes the ball were intentionally juiced by the league, and he said yes, 100%. They've been using juice balls in the home run derby forever. They know how to do it. It's not coincidence. I find it really hard to believe that MLB owns Rawlings, and just coincidentally, the balls become juiced. So I know you weren't watching the All-Star game tonight, but they asked him about this in the dugout, and they referenced Rob Manfred's quote about how they're 100% definitely not juicing the balls on purpose, which bullshit. But they asked Verlander that, and Verlander obviously knows that Manfred denied this claim. And he said, well, that's fine. If they're not juicing it, then I guess that's great news. So we can start working together to figure out what's wrong with it. Which was a, such a petty, I thought it was such a petty response. He had to like kind of walk his statements back because like if he doesn't stop flying off about the balls being juiced and dropping Rob Manfred's name, he's like maybe going to get suspended. Um, <laughs> but y- yeah. <laughs> um, in this punitive Major League Baseball world that we live in. But his response being like, oh, that's great. Well, if they're not juiced intentionally, then let's just try to get to the bottom of it. Let's do some research then. Because I think he's obviously just suggesting that if they were to do research, they would find out that the balls are being juiced intentionally. Yeah, what a what a look for your sport to have one of the your, this generation's premier pitchers, like like one of the top two pitchers of the last decade and a half or so, just coming out here and name dropping the commissioner and basically saying that he's lying and that they're they're effectively covering up a fundamental change to the sport like this feels like the kind of thing that rob manfred would want to maybe get a handle on somehow and i don't mean just by saying justin verlander stop but just by coming out and acknowledging it or changing the walls back or at least doing something to indicate that he is hearing the complaints of fans and potentially players as well like this is like if this isn't a pr nightmare for your sport like what is i mean baseball is very familiar with pr nightmares that are even worse than this so i think manfred probably maybe welcomes these conversations because if at least they're talking about baseball in a way that's not like baseball is welcome to domestic abusers you know so or and at least people are not talking about steroids, which for some reason was more of a public controversy than like Josh Hader. But 
that's an entirely different conversation. I think the craziest part of all this to me is that like this is legitimately like a tipping pitches like a tipping pitches harebrained lefty topic that we've been yelling about for like the last year and a half. And now, like you said, the game's premier pitcher is levying it against the commissioner by name. Like this feels like only the kind of thing that we can do because we have the blanket of obscurity <laughs> and Verlander's giving these quotes to like ESPN. Yes, exactly. The other thing is like Manfred can't really keep his story straight. So he came out like uh, a couple weeks ago and was basically like, yes, like the pill is a little bit different. It means there's less drag on the ball. Um, okay. Progress. This is the first time Rob Manfred has ever even acknowledged that the balls are remotely different. And then in ESPN, it, it, ESPN, and then in ESPN, in response to Justin Verlander, he basically says there's no evidence uh, that the ball is different, and <laughs> uh, and then he says that there's a little less drag on the ball. Um, but he also says that uh, the owners don't want more home runs, and so it's like what. What game are you playing then? Yeah. Like you're basically getting yelled at from every side of this and you're just kind of sitting there cowering being like, I promise guys, like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Well, the game that he's playing is that he knows that nobody really cares what he says because he's boring and people care more about what Justin Verlander is saying. So if he changes his story, it doesn't really matter. Because he knows that he's never been held accountable for this topic specifically. And he knows that other commissioners aren't really held accountable for flaws within their sport as long as their owners are happy. Like, Roger Goodell has bumbled his way through public opinion for the last five years, but he still makes $50 million a year because Jerry Jones knows that he's going to do what Jerry Jones wants him to do when the players start kneeling. Like, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with whether Manfred is lying or not or whether he's keeping his story straight. And I think that's the most annoying part of this for me when I've yelled about this in the past is that the fundamental core of this game is changing and we're just being gaslit into believing that it's not changing in front of us because Manfred is just like shrugging. Like he's not even bothering doing more than shrugging. He's not even presenting counter evidence. Meanwhile, you have writers like Ben Lindbergh and Mitchell Lickman, who are basically proving this, that since 2014, halfway through 15. the year, 15, 2015, yeah. halfway through the year, the ball is just demonstrably different, and there's no other way to explain it other than the ball. Like, I don't think that, like, Josh Donaldson swinging a little bit upward changed every other swing in the entire league in the course of, like, I don't know, four hours? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like there are probably a multitude of factors that go into this sort of thing. But the fact that the ball is literally just leaving the bat faster, like that alone is proof that something's different. And this isn't even the first time that Verlander has come out and said this sort of thing. He had some tweets last year that suggested just that, that exit velocities are like are higher than they've ever been. And clearly you know he it's like it's like just a little thinking emoji thing right it's like what what's going on here hmm. um yeah i think it was an incredible flex an incredibly smart and savvy move to point out that major league baseball owns the means of production for this sort Unbelievable. of thing I, um, that's like something i never even considered right now now it's worth pointing out that 
that's only true as of like last year, I think. So it doesn't, so it, it, the timeline doesn't necessarily coincide with like the change in the ball, but you could also just as easily convince me that MLB just went to Rawlings before they owned Rawlings and said, Hey, do this for us. And Rawlings said, okay. So, well, like MLB is the customer. Of course, Rawlings is going to do what they want. Who's who buys more baseballs from Rawlings than MLB? Yeah, I and it's like if you are if you're literally in charge of the company that produces these things, like how are you not going to know what's going on <laughs> with the balls? Like how clue and I know that you're you know, you're saying that like no one really cares about Manfred because he's boring and and no one's really paying attention to him. But this makes you look so ridiculous that he's basically coming out and being like, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, you got me there. Skip, I don't know what's going on with, with the baseball. It's literally, it's literally the object that the sport is named after, but I don't really know <laughs> what's going on. Alex, so so far a lot of our a lot of our segments have been jokey and fun and like that's kind of the the ethos we try to bring to our show is that baseball is fun. Let's stop talking about it like it's this existential dying thing. But um every once in a while we gotta remind ourselves that it, it may be an existential dying thing because of the idiots in charge. That's literally that's literally all it is. And you and you knew that we weren't gonna do a year in review without at least uh, one good Rob Manfred roast session. Just like and one mixtape making Rob Manfred fall. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Next up is uh, speaking of existentialism. Um, this is from August 28th. It's, uh, it's an episode titled a random fandom featuring Hannah Kaiser. Um, great guest, by the way, if you uh, haven't heard that interview and her talking about bandwagoning and, um, I believe we also talked about the 1994 labor strike and a bunch of really good stuff. Hannah was an amazing guest. Go back and listen to that. Um, this is from three up three down that week. Uh, it was uh, our man, Nick Castellanos. Why can't every day be opening day? All right, last on my list, I told you there was something existential coming, and lo and behold, we had to end the podcast with this. Nick Castellanos, who plays for the Chicago Cubs, was uh, was telling reporters, uh, I guess after a game a few days ago, uh, he said that he tells Joe Madden, happy opening day before every game. And so reporter uh, Rick Tarsitano, who uh, reports f- on the Cubs for uh, WGN News, asked Nick Castellanos, why do you wish Joe Madden a happy opening day every single day? And uh, and this was his response. Why is today not opening day? Just because it's, it's not opening day. I mean, <laughs> prove to me that it's not. Well, your record. Well, that well, that's only if you believe your record. You know, it's kind of the mentality like, um, if what has happened is a memory. And what's going to happen is a thought. You're taking yourself out of right now. So in that case, every day is opening day. <laughs> Nick Castellanos, come on Tipping Pitches and talk about life and what it all means, you know? If what has happened is a memory and what's going to happen is a thought, 
you're taking yourself out of right now. That's like that's like a like a Tumblr post circa 2006 <laughs> that gets like 15,000 reblogs or like the kind of text re-blogs. that you can you can <laughs> that you can put over like a like a really grainy image of like the sea or something like yes. that. Yeah. Or trees exactly, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And it's coming from Nick Castellanos who before this moment, beautiful moment, by the way. Thank you for for pulling this out and putting it in in the podcast as you always do. You always find a little nugget that I would have never found. But the beautiful moment, the beautiful thing about Nick Castellanos is um, the only notable thing about him before this year was that he got traded. He was the only good Tigers player that they could trade, and he got traded to the Cubs. He was the only Tigers player. Shout out to Zach Cram for this fun fact. Ringer baseball writer Zach Cram. He was the only Tigers player who had more than 100 plate appearances this year who had an OPS plus of over 100. He was the only above average hitter for the entire Detroit Tigers organization. Well, maybe it's just because the Tigers are living in the past and he's living in the now, right? They All the Tigers were taking themselves out of right now, but Nick Castellanos does not see forward, does not see backward. He only sees today, and that day is opening day. So all those kudos losing to him. games, All those games where they were so far behind and he, didn't, he could mentally check out of the game because they had no chance of coming back, he was just formulating his... his his Plato's Republic in his head, you know? Yeah. Maybe the Tigers really should buy into that more, you know? Like when people point out the fact that they've only won like 35 games this year, you'd be like, look, the past is no, a it's memory, opening day. man. It's no, not real. It's, a, it's opening day. How could day we have today. only won 35 games if today is opening day? <laughs> And, and all of our listeners out there, I want to wish you a happy opening day today, the day of all days. If only, right? I know. Oh my God, right? Well, again, just the the future is a is a thought. I I'm still I'm still working my way. Around. There aren't enough I'm, edibles I'm, in the world for me to understand what he was trying to say. <laughs> I have no I have I have no clue. But I hope Nick Castellanos is enjoying his opening day yesterday and today and tomorrow and the next day. Next up, you want to talk uh, just taking some edibles and spewing some ideas that don't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We discussed an article in 538 by Travis Sochik where he he made the case for a reduction in the size of minor league baseball. And it would turn out to be a somewhat uh, ominous, a somewhat prescient article because this very idea would come to fruition um, just a, a couple months later. I wonder if he and had a so, little uh, heads up. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Right? He might have had I a wonder. little <laughs> Anyway, we were forced to make the case on the podcast that uh, the minor league baseball, it's good. It should be. It should exist. It should be out there. <laughs> it, should, it should stay like it is. So, uh, so this is from the episode, Who's Rooting for Efficiency? This is episode 88 on September 13th. On one hand, yes. I, I understand that this article is meant to be like a sort of grander discussion about player development, mm-hmm. but it's also a ridiculous question. Like it doesn't it doesn't offer any real insight other than this real fetishization of like new age 
player development, you know? Like, you don't learn how to play baseball just by hitting in a batting cage in front of a camera and a coach. I think that he would disagree with that. Like, I think that's the crazy part about reading this is like, I think he would be like, and that's the part that really frustrated me while reading this was because like, our goal is to not get a better swing plane. I mean, it is to get a better swing plane indirectly because maybe that will help us play and hit better and win in the actual game. But our goal is to actually play the game. Like, Yeah, so I'm like stumbling over my words because there's so much about this that like genuinely angers me, you know? And like, if the goal is efficiency, like if you want to make baseball really efficient, you know what you could do? Just get get rid of baseball entirely. Yes. Like if we're really just, (laughs) if we're all about efficiency, I got I have something to tell you about major league sports and that's that they really don't need to exist at all. There's no point to (laughs) any of them (laughs) except to (laughs) enrich a few people, but they're there because we like going to games because I like taking the ferry out to Staten Island and watching a bunch of players who I have zero connection to just play baseball for three hours. And I can bring along someone who cares about baseball entirely or doesn't care about baseball at all. And we can have a really pleasant time there. And that's like you were saying, that is the, the essence of it. It's very pure, whether it's played at the, the highest levels or the lowest levels, there is an experience that should be cultivated. And to just argue, to look at it from this very like hard headed, analytical like data driven perspective totally the ignore it totally ignores the reality of what of the purpose that baseball and professional sports and entertainment at large serves yeah i i think the thing that strikes me about the reading the piece in 538 and this is a thing that strikes me about reading a lot of pieces in 538 is that it comes from this perspective of on high you wouldn't feel this way and prepare for this very populist take and language out of me. But you wouldn't feel this way if you were one of the people who lived in, I don't know, Bumblefuck, and you didn't have a major league team, and all you could do was get maybe one team on cable that you didn't really like that much, or you couldn't really connect with that much because they're not even from your state or your city or wherever. You didn't grow up there. But you had a minor league team in your town, and you got to go all the time, and you got to go for $5, and you got to have a hot dog, and popcorn and all this stuff and you got to spit seeds and um, teach whoever who is going with you about what um, a hit and run is and all that stuff like you wouldn't feel that way if you actually thought about those millions and tens of millions and maybe even a hundred million people who go to minor league baseball games per year like to wipe that all away even if we go beyond about this argument about efficiency and what works best for player development and whether it's playing in minor league games or not even if you take all of that out of the equation, what is the point of getting rid of it? It's good. People think it's good because people still go and people still talk about it with affection like you and I do. Like maybe the games are not played at the highest level. Like we're not watching Justin Verlander throw a no-hitter out there in minor leagues, but that's what Major League Baseball is for. That's what MLB TV is for. That's what the most of this podcast is for. But the minor leagues are for people who actually like to go and have an experience and actually enjoy just the setting and the environment of baseball. And I worry, and it's crazy because this is a Phil Mushnick take, but I worry that like the further we get down the analytics rabbit hole, 
the further we get away from the actual people who are going to watch the game and the experience of being at a baseball game. Like, I'm not going to come out here and stand for sacrifice bunting or anything like that. I don't think we should get rid of analytics. But I do think that we should maybe remember that this is a game and that people play it and that people like to watch it. Not because they see the speed at which a pitch was pitched, but because they watch the pitch and they watched a person swing through it. Maybe we should just remember that before we suggest getting rid of the majority of baseball games played in this country. Should we get rid of Little League? Should we get rid of middle school? Should we get rid of high school? Should it all just be centralized training camps where we have seven-year-olds like fed into the Dodgers system? Like kind of how it is with soccer in this country because that's not really working out great. <laughs> I I also think that it an article like this and the discussion that it brings up comes at a pretty interesting time given the calls for people who actually want to pay minor leaguers living wages because right now minor league teams cost very little to the organizations and the owners because they bring in a a fair amount of revenue and the players are paid next to nothing. So like, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue that we should keep minor leaguers around because they don't cost anything because we absolutely should pay players. But the response to that should not be that we should just get rid of them entirely. Like, I don't think you can rationally look at this from any perspective and come to the conclusion that minor league baseball is useless. And there's even a quote in here from Mitch Hanniger who says, you can't really simulate facing a pitcher in front of thousands of people and failing in front of a whole bunch of people. So like, what are you, like, you going to do? Are we just playing baseball in virtual reality? You know, is that the future that we're aspiring to? Cause that doesn't sound very fun. Like efficiency sucks. I don't like efficiency. Yep. Make, make baseball as bureaucratic as possible, please. Agreed. I've been floating in my head the idea of doing a like doing a podcast segment that's like efficiency has <laughs> ruined the game by taking out the Tony Kemp's of the world. And this is the type of thing that inspires me to want to do a segment like that. Like it's going to be the most washed. It's going to be the most get off my lawn kind of thing. But honestly, like I hate when things force me to be earnest, but this article is forcing me to be earnest. I love baseball. I just love sitting there and watching it. I like going with you. I like going with my friends. I like going with my parents. I like going by myself. I don't care. I just like being at the ballpark. And I know that there are all of these different forces that influence me to want to feel that way and that my money is maybe not going to all of the greatest places. But at least when I go to a minor league game, like all I have to do is go, like growing up, for example. I, I, my minor league team was the Trenton Thunder, double A affiliate of the New York Yankees in Trenton, New Jersey. And it was literally a 10 minute drive from my house. Tickets were literally $5. They do bark at the park. They have bat dogs that go fetch the bats. And my little league would go and we would stand on the field and we would get to stand next to these players who we thought were like the next Mariano Rivera. We thought like every player was going to turn into Jason Giambi. I don't know why I chose that as the example. It could have been like Derek Jeter <laughs> or whatever, but I aspired to be Jason Jambi when I grew well, up. Well, it's because I was I was a first baseman and I was standing next to the first base, the first baseman. So, but 
I to suggest that there's no cultural value to minor league baseball would force you to believe that there's just no cultural value to baseball at all. And it's an analytical exercise. And it's far from that. Like it is the most analytical sport. It does have the most MIT graduates in it trying to be the next Theo Epstein. It does have Moneyball. It does have all of the sabermetric movement and it is leading the charge for that. That's now bleeding into other sports. And I don't think any of that is bad. I don't think that it's a cancer for the game or anything like that. Like a, like the Bob Nightingale types would lead you to believe. But it's not an analytical endeavor. It's not a scientific endeavor. It's not math. It is a game. And it is supposed to be fun. And the experience is supposed to be good for people. And minor league baseball is a good, it's a great experience. It is in some cases more fun than major league baseball games because of the hoops that you have to jump through when you get to a major league baseball game, the money that you have to spend, the travel that you have to do, the nosebleed seats that you have to sit in because they cram as many seats into these ballparks as possible to make as much money as possible. I I would never suggest that you should ditch your major league baseball team and become a fan of just a minor league team and ditch MLB entirely because obviously there's a lot of value to watching the highest level of this game if you appreciate it. But in terms of just like the life experience of what baseball is, minor league baseball is a lot closer. It's pretty confounding to me that we even had to have that conversation and even have to continue having that conversation in 2020 and even have to listen to our preferred presidential candidates debate that conversation as they lead up to an election? It's really weird, man. It's weird. I don't I understand the, why the people who run baseball fucking hate baseball. I don't either. I, I think that the weirdest part about it for me is that, like, it took... <laughs> it basically took someone being like, we're going to start to get rid of parts of baseball for us to have a real conversation about just why we actually generally like it. Yeah. <laughs> like we got real in our feels there. I kind of forgot about that. We sure did. It, I mean, we're not going to do that 10 minute segment all over again, but I don't, it's just in one column we have, you can see more baseball. And in the other column we have, you can see ex- exponentially less baseball. <laughs> and Rob Manfred's like, I like the second column. <laughs> the commissioner of baseball is like, the second column sounds right. It's so weird, man. It's really weird. Um, okay, the next one, the next one up is a little more fun. It's a lot shorter. Um, it's uh, it's from episode eighty nine, which was uh, September twentieth. Um, this was the episode that we built a player. We built our ideal tipping pitches superstar. We gave him some char- characteristics from players that we love now. Um, but more importantly, at the end, in your three up, three down. <laughs> This is just an Alex's three up, three down highlights <laughs> podcast. Um, we discovered that Max Kepler is baseball's preeminent soft boy. Here we go. Last thing on my list, and this is extremely important because I'm last week on this podcast, you asked me, I think, who you thought was baseball's soft boy. Oh my God. I forgot all about this. Yeah. And I have the answer for you. Oh, um, yes. on, on Jake Cave's Instagram, Jake Cave is an outfielder for the Minnesota Twins. My, um, my, my secondary team, I think. 
this year. He uh, he posted a photo of a, a few Twins players on their team flight. It is actually five players to be exact, and they're all wearing band t-shirts. And so I'm going to go from, from right yeah. to left in this one I because it tells. It up. <laughs> uh, so on the right, you have Tyler Duffy. Oh no! Uh, Pitcher for the Twins, <laughs> wearing a wearing a Beatles shirt. Uh, second to right, <laughs> that's second to right. It is Sergio Romo wearing a Grateful Dead T-shirt. Shouts out to him, uh, Sergio Romo. Let's get together and smoke some weed and uh, <laughs> and ponder religion. Let's do it. Hold on, wait. Did you say it, that what the caption was for this post? Uh, no, I did not say the, for the caption, but the caption is favorite band flight. So the, first of all, this is a cute little team building exercise that they have going on here. They wave, wear the t-shirt of their favorite band. Why don't we do this? How about favorite band party? Next time in, I'm in Brooklyn, throw that party. It's, hell yeah. This, and this tells you so much, I think about each player, like the fact that Tyler Duffy's a Beatles fan. I'm like, come on, my guy. Really? I'm like, into it. Yeah, or it's yeah. Beatles make fucking good songs, go dude. <laughs> um, Jake Cave is in the middle, yeah. wearing a Lincoln Park shirt. No encore remix. Let's get it. <laughs> it starts with one thing, and I, I don't d- really don't know. Why. How could you know why? It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Honestly, the baseball nihilism from the previous uh, the previous up on my list. He's embracing that. <laughs> we're just, we're just like quoting Lincoln Park lyrics on this podcast now. That's what this is. It's funny um, because Luis Arias, who's like a t- like one of the top prospects for the Twins, and come up this year and he's hitting three fifty. I love the people who do something like comment two fire emojis. Like that's what Luis Arias did. What is that yeah. adding to this photo? <laughs> Honestly, you know what he's adding to this photo is his Biggie shirt. It's all good, baby, baby. Oh. It was all a dream. His, his sky's the limit Biggie shirt. That's Hell what he's yeah. bringing to this photo, which props to him. We stand. Uh, yeah, we absolutely stand. But to the far left of this picture is I can't believe the, this. The, the German hunk, Max Kepler, wearing none other than a Smith's t-shirt. And God damn it. I... I saw this and I just did not know what to think. Why do you follow I, Jake Cave on Instagram? I, I don't follow Jake Cave on Instagram, but this this came across my social media feed and it was just too darn good not to share. I, Jake Cave, <laughs> come on here and talk to me about Morrissey, I guess. I'm still waiting for Max Kepler to respond to my calls and come on and talk about the Smiths with us. That would be... Do you think he just likes them like culturally? Or like, do you think he's like listening to the Smiths? The caption did say favorite band flight. Yeah. I wouldn't lie about it if if I just liked the Smiths like a couple songs here and there. Like I wouldn't wear a Smiths shirt as my favorite band shirt. Especially like in light of Morrissey being as canceled as canceled gets (laughs) i mean do you think it's just the kind of thing where like you have like how many band t-shirts do i have not many Uh, i'm being quite honest completely valid point i have like i think i have like seven brand new shirts which can't wear those (laughs) 
and then like uh, like one My Chemical Romance shirt, that's probably what I would have opted for. Yeah, there you go. But if you're a Major League Baseball player, are you going through your wardrobe and being like, who's canceled and who isn't? Maybe they just went to like Hot Topic. And they were like pointed and then <laughs> give me the Smith's I be- shirt. I believe that. You can buy all four of those shirts at Hot Topic for sure. So they probably 100%. just sent, sent some equipment manager to Hot Topic. He picked out four. Um, I'm more of a, a Zoomies head myself. Are you really? I mean, you know, I've shopped there once or twice <laughs> in my couple. in my middle school scene days. Get some get some uh, high top echoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. We uh, we had to talk about robot umpires because it felt inevitable that uh, that the singularity would would come upon us eventually, and uh, and this. Conversation was spawned from MLB announcing that they were going to be rolling out robot umpires in the Arizona Fall League. And, you know, they had already kind of started experimenting with it at, uh, at low levels of the minor leagues. And so, uh, and so we had to ask ourselves, can we, can we trust Major League Baseball to actually roll out robot umpires? Because they haven't really proved confident at doing anything else so far um so this is from episode 96 do androids dream of electric umps uh, on november 11th it seems like every offseason the mlb just keeps trucking forward with this robot umps idea and they don't really give us a ton of explanation for what the plan is there's just escalation Every offseason last, you know, last year we found out it would be in the Atlantic League and that, you know, real legitimate prospects would have to play with robot umpires. And this offseason, it turns out that they're going to be using in the Arizona Fall League, which is one of the most important prospect, you know, short season prospect leagues. Um, and not just because Tim Tebow got to plan it a couple of summers ago, um, because actual <laughs> top prospects play in that league. And they announced that they will be using it in the minor leagues this upcoming season. So the escalation of this plan without ever giving us a trajectory for when it's going to follow through um, is very in line with how Major League Baseball pretty much handles everything. But it seems like they are actually going to do this. And it, it seems like this is the one plan that they have a solution for. Yeah, I mean, it. it's interesting. So like the Arizona Fall League has historically been a kind of petri dish in which MLB can experiment with things like instant replay um, or or pitch clocks or some of the other wacky pace of play ideas that they've had in the past. And I think mostly what irks me about all of this is like the the kind of lack of public transparency at all. Like like I, and I don't even, we could talk, you know, for an hour about the pros and cons of robot umpires, but the most base, basic aspect of it is what's a strike zone? Yeah. Do you know? Do yeah. I know? It's like, <laughs> it's like MLB's equivalent of what is a catch, right? Like it varies from umpire to umpire. A fan might say, oh, well, it's from your shoulders to your knees. And your play, the players might be like, oh, well, it's from the letters to the shins or something. You know, like, like it's taught differently. And if you're going to automate this thing, <laughs> you got to at least come, come out and be like, this is like definitively what it is. And I'm sure that they're tinkering with that. But like the fact that there's been so little 
public conversation about this, like from the MLB, is is mostly worrying to me because they have this tendency to just kind of like plow through with ideas with a very set state of how they want to proceed with it. And then it's implemented and it's done. And then like they move on, right? Like <laughs> like they rolled out instant replay and they were like, and they they wiped their hands and they were like, well, that's done. I'm sure everyone's going to love it now. Yes. <laughs> and then here we are, right? So like, I just have a lot of questions. Well, it's clinical because Rob Manfred is lawyerly. You know, is that a word? Lawyerly? Lawyery? Lawyerly. Whatever it needs to be. <laughs> um, that's the reason, I think the reason that it feels that way, because like, that's how, that's how um, commissioners operate. Like they have to operate in like that very cut and dry way. Uh, I think the thing to me with what's a strike zone is like, how much do you want it to be three dimensional? Because if a breaking ball nicks the corner of that three dimensional block, like how say you're staring at the batter from the opposite batter's box. So you have like a profile view of the batter. How wide is that strike zone from that angle? Because the way that the strike zone has worked for all of eternity is only two dimensional, you know, it's up and down. And if the ball crosses the quote unquote strike zone over the level corners of the front of home plate then it's a strike but now if you introduce robot umpires and you introduce pitch tracking in this way that they're trying to do and that they've done in the Atlantic League and will be doing in the Arizona Fall League well now you've added a whole new dimension to it and nobody understands physics that well I think that CB Buckner is out there playing he's he's looking at the field in 4d you know he's calling strikes based on yeah that that clipped the uh the fourth quadrant uh uh-huh. six inches down the 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 slider that tailed away you want to talk but, some projectile uh, physics with me right now bro <laughs> i do let's get trevor bauer on to talk about oh that my stuff. god <laughs> trevor bauer who as an aside but he was like quoted in a piece this week talking about how he's like quote really proud of like how pitch how pitchers have evolved into like where they throw pitches, like throwing fastballs high and that sort of thing. And I'm like, dude, do you think you're the second coming of yeah. fucking Nolan Ryan or something like that? I, uh, what again? Another topic we could go for an hour on. Baseball but. writers have been writing about that kind of stuff on the internet for like 30 years, and Trevor Bauer just thinks that he reinvented it because he never read it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kyle Body said, yo, um, why don't you try pitching backwards? And Trevor Bauer's like, hmm. Nobody ever thought of that. I I invented that. (laughs) Extremely tech company reinventing the city bus energy out of Trevor Bauer. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I think the implementation is the toughest part of this for me. Like, I think not explaining what the plan is, what the timeline for this is, is really, it makes me uncomfortable as a fan because I don't know how drastically the game that I watch is going to change within the next three years because, like, they didn't even give it two years in the Atlantic League. Like, we could have given it two years before we put it in the minor leagues, right? Like, what is one year of a a sample size of players adjusting to robot umpires? How is that? That's not like a slow implementation. Like that's a pretty radical change for the way that people have been playing their whole life. Like you think back to playing Little League, an umpire is a really big part of the game, like for better or for worse. And if you've been conditioned your whole life to adjust to an umpire's strike zone and to 
you know, like if you know the umpire and you know which way they call it, it's like a built-in advantage for you. It's like an extra level of scouting for your team and that kind of thing. And to just take that all away immediately, I mean, I know it will not hit Major League Baseball for a little while, but it feels like on this trajectory, at least, with how they're like kind of radically now implementing it in the minor leagues and in the Arizona Fall League, it feels like it's going to be here before like 2022, you know? And again, like this feels like something that needs to be collectively bargained over. Like they're just putting this in with no checks and balances. And like the players should have a say in when this comes or as a matter of fact, like if this comes at all, if they don't want robot umpires, this is like a workplace environmental concern for them. Like this is how they make their living. Yeah. And also not to mention the the fact that the umpires have a union too. Yeah, which <laughs> whole other can of worms, but <laughs> not that, to come out in hardcore defense of the umpires union. <laughs> but yeah, like like are the players going to have a say on what the resulting strike zone is? Like is it going to change from batter to batter? And and the other thing that really concerns me right now is that we're we're in this period where the balls are flying, you know, there's all this concern over offense in baseball, right? Like strikeouts are up and home runs are up and and walks are up and everything else is vanishing, supposedly. Um, how is this going to affect that? That's the kind of thing that you can't really, I think, figure out just in trial runs in independent leagues or even in the minor leagues or the Arizona Fall Leagues, right? And ultimately for me, I think it, it all goes back to like, do I really trust MLB to do this right? Because if they implement it, like it has to be perfect, right? Like yes. it can't it can't fuck up. It it has to call the the right call pretty much every single time. It has to call anything every single pitch, right? Like you can't just have an error message. Um <laughs> <laughs> which like and the only reason it concerns me is cuz like MLB doesn't even know what balls are in play right now, right? Like nope. like look at well, the last allegedly. month <laughs> allegedly. But like look at the last month of baseball. Right? Like home runs are up, home runs are down, home runs are up again. You know, like I just from a fan's perspective, I'm like, hang on, you're gonna go and fuck with another core aspect of the game? I why? What you you had a really good minor league baseball app, and then you made it so that anytime you click on anything, it just sends you to the mobile website. And you're and I'm gonna trust you to electronicize the strike zone. I don't know about that. Alex, we really nailed that one. Very prescient conversation from us there. Yeah, and, you know, months after we had that conversation, we still don't really have any Any answers. answers. None. Nope. And I don't I don't expect us to, but I think my favorite thing is just how MLB like creates problems and then is like my work is done here. I'm off to create a different one. <laughs> <laughs> so in chaos year to year. Um okay. Speaking of chaos in MLB, this next segment, and this is the the penultimate segment in our year in review. Um there was a few stories, Alex, that I felt like we had to get in this um in this year in review because not necessarily did it define our year in the podcast, but it, it defined baseball and we talked about all these things and we were forced to talk about all these things, even when we did or didn't want to. And 
obviously one of those things is the ball. Obviously one of those things is robot umps and minor leagues and everything serious like that. But more recently, it's whacking trash cans. <laughs> it's just stealing signs and whacking those trash cans. So this is from uh, episode 97, which uh, released on November 18th. Whacking trash cans with the boys. And I like to call this segment whacking trash cans with the boys. I am stunned that the Astros did this just because it's so fucking stupid, you know, that like, of course they were going to get found out about this sort of thing. And yet it still took two years for, for people to figure it out. Right. So like something tells me it would be so easy to like, not let this happen. I, maybe I'm wrong, but that, that gets back to my point where they clearly felt like the consequences or the fallout from this was not going to in their fucking little analytical minds that they treat everything like it's some long math problem. They clearly felt like the cost-benefit analysis of this was in their favor. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it in such crucial situations. The 2017 Astros team had like a really good shot all year of winning the World Series. So if they felt like this was going to put that in jeopardy or in the future, this was going to put their organizational integrity in jeopardy, they wouldn't have done it. But that that's that's my entire point about like, not that they don't think that there will be any consequences, but it's kind of like the PED thing where you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to get suspended for 40 games, but I will have already put up the great seasons with PEDs and I will have already signed that contract and I will have already made all that money and I'll come back half a season later and I'll just be back to my normal self. Like, I don't know a way for MLB to disincentivize something like this enough without just being like, we'll just suspend all of your players because like, I, I don't, if, is that the answer? Well, I don't know if that's the answer, but like you talk about MLB looking for ways to disincentivize this sort of thing. Like this is the chance. I don't know yes. what the penalties are going to be, but like, if you want teams to not do this in the future, like you have to come down on the Astros, like harder than just, you know, finding them a couple million dollars or something like that. This is definitely, yeah, this is definitely the pivot point for this. They will set a precedent with whatever they do with this because the conversation is at such a fever pitch. But like, I'm sitting over here and I'm like, is everyone who was involved in this going to get punished? Because now it's starting to bleed into other organizations, namely the New York Mets, who hired Carlos Beltran, who was heavily involved in this while at a DH for the 2017 Houston Astros. He was part of devising the scheme. Yeah. Like that's already, (laughs) he's denying that, but that's already basically reported in the New York Post. This is a huge problem. And it's not just, it's, it can't be just the Astros because something that happens in all sports in baseball specifically, is that you can only keep your secrets for so long because players move, coaches move, strength trainers move, GMs move. So like, if the Astros devised this plan, probably it or parts of it are within the knowledge base of every other organization in baseball. All 30 teams know something about what the Astros were doing. And many of those 30 teams have people who were involved in this plan, I would guess. Or people who knew about this plan and didn't stop it or didn't say anything about it. I just just imagine Alex Cora coming to 
you know, I guess it would have been like Dave Dombrowski at the time, you know, after the 2017 season when he's hired by the Red Sox. And so Alex Cora is like, hey, Dave, I listen on the DL. I just came up with this great idea for us to steal signs. We're going to whack a trash can with a bat for off speed pitches in like in like the hallway behind the dugout. And Dave Dombrowski's like, what? What the fuck? Are you a fucking idiot? Like, what are you? What are you this talking is, about? Yeah. You know, like, so rudimentary. Like, like bringing it to another organization, and everyone's like, "This is an April Fool's joke, right?" You know, <laughs> like my favorite thing was like just pictures like, of the trash can going around on Twitter. No, yeah. like you look at one side. I gotta say, it looks like it's been getting hit with a bat. I'm like, you think they use the same trash can the whole fucking time? <laughs> it's not a principal piece of evidence. The trash can. We know what like, they did. You want to talk about a bubble? Like dozens of people in the Astros organization were like, yes, cosine. This is an amazing idea. Analytics and trash cans, baby. This fucking free thought bullshit that the Astros employ where they're just like, that, I mean, our shit doesn't stink. Like that is a great (laughs) idea. Of course we should do that. They're all like fucking sniffing their own, like they're huffing their own fucking gasoline in that fucking organization. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we even have to talk about this. Plant someone on the inside of the Astros organization and just let them exist for two or three years without reporting on anything. I Please, I want to know all the dumb ideas that they come up with. There's got to be more. There have to be so many more. If they did this, there are other things that they're doing too that are equally stupid. It's like, it's. I guarantee you the way they think about it, they're like, we're not above lo-fi and hi-fi. You know, we're using edutronic cameras. We're using all this fucking player tracking data. But also, we can get down in the nitty-gritty and just whack some trash cans. <laughs> and everyone, <laughs> like all the unbiased observers in the room are like, what are we doing here? We're whacking trash cans. We're just <laughs> whacking trash cans with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new market inefficiency, baby. Whacking trash cans with the boys. Okay, can we move on? Please. I feel like I still have not fully wrapped my head around just how dumb of an idea it's that so was. Dumb, dude. It's just like just like zooming out a little bit. It's very easy to like get in the weeds and talk about the punishment and the cameras, and the, the cameras and the execution. And what, how is Rob Manfred going to wield his power here? And what other teams are implicated? What precedent is this going to send? Or what precedent is this going to set? Let's just talk about how a major league baseball team deemed the smartest in the league cheated by whacking a trash can. They've had books written about them. <laughs> My God. It's, it's, you couldn't write this shit. You know how like every you book really that's written now has like a, like a colon and then a longer title for like SEO purposes and descriptiveness yeah. purposes and everything. Yeah. Um, Astro Ball's one, whatever it is now, because it definitely has one, like how the smartest organization tanked their way to the top or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, it should change it to Astro Ball, colon, <laughs> how they devised the scheme to whack some trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how you couldn't even, couldn't even get it out with a straight face. <laughs> Man, fuck the Astros, dude. That's oh just dumb. man, yeah, that's a that's a real 2019 highlight. At least we're all on the same page at that one. 
all right. Our last segment here in our year in review is, uh, is from uh, episode 99 on December 1st. Uh, the episode was titled A Holiday Tradition for Baseball. And as you might be able to guess, it's the it's the episode where we uh, we took some time to figure out what would baseball's equivalent be to to Christmas Day basketball or or Thanksgiving Day football, right? What is the what is the holiday that baseball should own and really lean into? And uh, and we had some spirited arguments on here, despite the fact that we really only had <laughs> like three holidays to choose from, but. Uh, but this was a fun one. So we've got our we've got our three options. I think we've made cases for each one. If you had to pick one, what do you think you would land on? I think I still I think I thought I was going to land on Labor Day, but I think I still might land on Independence Day. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried about all of the things we talked about. I'm worried about it becoming just like tanks rolling across center field for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I'm worried about someone shooting off like a semi-automatic weapon into the sky during Rockets Red Glare of the National Anthem. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get baseball players like hitting a home run, crossing the plate and just like doing a salute. You know, like Pete Pete Alonso is going to do that. You know that. (sighs) You didn't have to bring Pete into this. (laughs) But like. It provides so much more opportunistically because it's summer. Everyone kind of already spends that day with family, which I think is really key to this. Like we we touched on that briefly at the beginning, but I think associating it with a day where you have off, you're spending time with your family. You have an opportunity to to talk with people, to talk about baseball, I think would do a lot for the game. And not to be like too narrowed in on it, but I think like the Nathan's hot dog eating thing is like legitimately a way to like cross promote, you know, like the same type of people who want to watch Joey Chestnut body 70 hot dogs are probably going to want to watch Pete Alonzo mash a home run. Like those feel like pretty tight Venn diagrams. You know what I'm just thinking about kind of as we talk about this, the really the only problem with really all three of these holidays, uh, why Thanksgiving and Christmas work so well is because not only are you with family, but because it's like fall slash winter, you're, you're indoors already. Yeah. Fourth of July poses an issue because a lot of people are outside, whether they're at the beach or they're barbecuing or they're, you know, maybe you're on your apartment roof or you're just on your front lawn or whatever. <laughs> You when you say that, these places that you hang out outside, it sounds so ridiculous. Like you're just on a roof or you're on a lawn, but like <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah. So, so how do you circumvent that? Maybe that's just a whole other issue that, you know, we tackle next, uh, next episode. Do you have Rob Manfred send one iPad to every family in America? I think sure. Yeah. I'm in UBI I'm in with Rob Manfred. <laughs> <laughs> Universal fandom in- income. <laughs> Full circle, baby. <laughs> I Yeah, that is definitely a problem. And I thought about that on Labor Day because you're probably spending Labor Day inside, right? Like it's September. Most places are cold. It's not really an outdoor holiday unless it's like your final beach weekend, like I was describing when introducing Labor Day. Interesting way <laughs> for me to go in, in describing Labor Day. Most people just turn it into a three day weekend, but yeah. Um, yeah, that definitely is a problem. It definitely is a problem. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, hella, hella dudes have outdoor TVs, right? Hella dudes have outdoor TVs, do just they? Chi- just chilling in I the don't. garage. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely would skew towards like upper middle class families who have like a, a TV outside next to where they grill and like <laughs> not like young people who are trying to attract who probably don't even have cable and don't even have well, we would need to make it more accessible to watch and I, yeah, but I just can't help that like baseball is a summer holiday if you want if you like baseball you like being outside and you find a way to watch it anyway or yeah. why don't we just make the tickets all four dollars fourth of July four dollars you know there you go or if that's too cheap for you make them seventeen dollars and seventy six cents like I don't like <laughs> find some way to rig it so that everyone can go easily and you can access it and if you're not going to be if you're not going to be at the game itself then you can go inside for one of the three games or two of the three games or whatever it might be yeah if you have like a like a morning game an afternoon game and an evening game i feel like it's spread out enough that you'll be able to catch at least like one of the spectacles right if you have like a Stream yeah. it live on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TV and everywhere, YouTube, like make it free for that day. Like it's not, you got to widen the net. Like you can't, ju- we can't just keep going back to the same 50 to 70 year old white men who remember the Bill Buckner error. Like we got to, <laughs> we got to strive to be better and more interesting and more rooted and invested in people who can actually watch and want to develop a new type of love for baseball this is this is how we describe baseball demographics it's bb and ab before buckner and after buckner (laughs) (laughs) you want to use a different one let's use the freaking kirby pocket home run or whatever (laughs) no i like it i think it's good before ricky henderson and after after ricky henderson how about that yeah but everyone should know who ricky henderson is so right but he's kind of like the arrival you know in a religious (laughs) sense Honestly, maybe Rob Manfred should spend less time figuring out how he's going to punish the Astros, less time figuring out how to get rid of minor league baseball and change the contents of the literal baseball, and more time listening to that fucking idea, because it's a great idea, Alex. Make July 4th a national baseball holiday. I was listening back to it, and I was like, this slaps. I I think we're onto something. (laughs) This is louder for the people in the back. (laughs) Well... Us putting it in this episode makes it louder for the people in the back, I guess. Yeah. It's like we're it's like retweeting ourselves. This whole episode is like retweeting yourself twenty times. Self retweet, yeah. (laughs) The cardinal sin. There's glitter on the floor after the party. Girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby. Okay, well we hope you enjoyed our year in review. We hope you enjoyed the episodes themselves. If any of those segments suck out to you, let us know. If you disagree with any of our ideas, if you think it should be Labor Day and not July 4th, if you think that Rob Manfred is doing a great job as commissioner, I don't know how you made it this far into the episode. Um, But I can't say enough how much we appreciate every time someone reaches out and connects with us about listening or um, about even just something that they've seen us tweet or uh, just something about something they noticed in baseball in general. Um, The whole point of this podcast is to connect with people who actually think baseball is fun because that's what you and I think and that's the energy that we hope to be putting out into the world so sometimes we can get a little negative but we hope that we counterbalance it with 
positivity when possible. Um, Alex, do you have anything left to say? Final episode, 2019. I want to give a, a shout out and a thank you to um, all of the guests that we had this year. Um, we didn't include any of them in this year roundup because it, you know we're self indulgent and this is this is all about us. Like this is this is the Alex and Bobby <laughs> power hour, and no one else is allowed in the room. But also because <laughs> they're all so good in long form and full form, yes. that you should go back and listen to them in full. One hundred percent. Emma Bacharelli, Brittany De La Creta, Hannah Kaiser, Meg Rowley, Bradford Davis, uh, Austin Zimmerman, friend of the pod, and uh, and of course Gabriella Bauer and. Phoebe Walsh, the cl- close friends of the pod. <laughs> Absolutely exploded baseball. What a pod. Seriously. Um, uh, we encourage you to, to go back and listen to all of those episodes because they range uh, wide and far on what baseball looks like now and what it'll look like in the future. We continue but, to be um, blessed with guests. We, we really do. And we hope to keep that going into the new year. And, and most of all, thank you to, uh, to our listeners. Y'all are the reason really that we continue doing this. I think every time that you and I maybe get a little discouraged and, uh, and say, how do we expand our relationship? Does anyone even listen to us? And then someone reaches out and, and gives us a, a compliment that uh, we, we're, we're very rarely even worthy of. But um, <laughs> it's, it's really the reason that we keep going. So thank you to all of you for tuning in this year. We've had a, we've had a wild ride. All right, we'll be back. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And we'll see you next week. Bottles with you on New Year's Day. Hold on to the memories, they will hold on to you. Hold on to the memories, they